chapter number 17. One of my favorite Bible characters, um, I have several, but one of the ones that I love probably um, top three is Elijah. And as we come to 1 Kings 17, we are um, the beginning of 1 Kings 17, we're introduced to Elijah. He almost seemingly just uh, comes out of nowhere. And uh, as we see him, we see him as a very bold man. Um, he looks Ahab in the face and tells him uh, that there's not going to be any rain. And um, he, uh, there again, is very bold in his um, conducting of his business that the Lord gives him. And so at this time, Israel is steeped in pagan worship. They have um, traded their traded God Jehovah for little g gods and sacrificing to uh, those. And so God is now getting ready uh, to show Israel who he really is and show them that um, they have turned their backs upon him and they have uh, went chasing after little g-gods, and God is going to show them uh, that he is God and there is none other. And so uh, in the midst of that, there, there again, there's Elijah. And it is, it's one, things that, uh, one of the things that always I have loved about this story is even though um, in the midst of it, they are getting ready to enter into this um, uh, this time of trying time, but God still takes care of his own. And so um, that's where we are in 1 Kings chapter number 17. And I want you, to, we're going to read a little bit more than I normally would, but uh, to kind of get the idea, I want to read a little bit more than normal. Notice uh, 1 Kings 17 verse number 1, the Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was the, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that it is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Before I ha Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, unto the, rain, unto the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. 
And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, she and he in her house did eat many days. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crucible fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. As we have read down through verse number 16, there's several times that there's a particular word that is mentioned. I, I love studying words in the Bible. It's one of the things that, um, that, that I, I do probably more than anything is just looking at repeated, repetitive words and, and studying them and looking at them. And uh, several years ago as I was reading, this, reading through the Bible and reading through 1 Kings, uh, uh, in these verses there's one particular word that keeps repeating itself. And it is a, a very small word, but it is just the word that is, is there. And so as I begin to th begin to think about that, um, I begin to question myself, and I want to question you tonight on on the subject: Are you there? And what I mean by that is, is are you there in the will of where God wants you? Are you uh, there in the will of God? And we find that in this chapter, there's some uh, in this some wonderful truths uh, about just being there, being where God wants you to be, being. Uh, in the center of God's will. Uh, tonight, there are two types of God's will. There is the, the uh, uh, submissive will of God, uh, uh, and then there is the perfect will of God. Now, there are some things. The perfect will of God is, is uh, uh, when you and I get where God has told us uh, and God has specifically laid it on our hearts, uh, and that is where we know God is, um, wants us to be. However, God will allow you uh, to do your own thing, uh, but if you do your own thing, there's some, there's some things that you'll miss out on uh, had, you, had you rather just been in the perfect uh, will of God. I, I, I know for a fact that there's been decisions that I have made that was not in the perfect will of God. God allowed me to make those decisions. Uh, God uh, did, not, did not strike me dead when I made those decisions. He let me to go through with them. Uh, but I can also testify to the fact uh, that he did not bless those decisions as much as he could have uh, if I had made the right decision. And so that's what I want us to look at tonight is just being there, being in the perfect will of God. And before we uh, go any further, let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. And God, as we look into this text, I pray that you would help it uh, uh, resonate in our lives. And God, if we're not, you would help us in this to, uh, to follow you completely. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the honor, give you the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want you to know something, first of all, about Elijah. We find that Elijah, to get there, to get in that place where God would have him to be, he had to follow God. Now, I know that's, that's very elementary, that's very simple, and, um, but a lot of times that's, a, that's really easier said than done in a lot of, a lot of times. Um, I, I was talking to a preacher friend of mine the other day, and I, I made the statement, as you know, sometimes in the ministry, um, I have been guilty of, of making, uh, uh, making decisions in the ministry, not based off what God wanted, uh, but based off what I, was, I thought other people were going to say. Now, and the Bible says this, he says, the, the fear of man is, is as a snare. And so, so many times as we talk about the will of God, uh, we honestly, uh, if we're not careful, 
We trade the will of God for the will of man. We, we dictate what the will of God is based on what somebody else may say, based on what somebody else may, may talk about. Now, I don't know if you know this uh, or not, uh, but if you don't know this, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Some of the most gossiping people you'll ever meet is preachers. Um, I, I was talking to a guy that today, he was talking about a certain situation, and I said, well, I had heard that, but I said, you know how preacher gossip is, uh, and so I just left it at that. And so, so a lot of times, if we're not careful, and, and I have, they're again been guilty of this, made decisions based off, I didn't want preachers to talk about me. And there's times that you've made decisions dealing with spirituality, dealing with spiritual things, not based off what God would say or what God wanted. You've made them based upon what somebody else may say. And we're, we're all human. I mean, obviously, we don't want people to talk about us. We don't want people to downgrade us. And and um, I, I've, I've met, you know, I've heard people say, "Well, I don't care what anybody thinks of me." That's a lie. Everybody has some part of them that cares what people think and so this idea of being there being in the will of God you have to you have to understand that we can't follow man's opinion but we have to follow the direction of God give you a couple verses that you are very familiar with Psalms 37 verse number 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And so we find that there again, for Elijah to get there, he had to follow God. Now tonight, if you're going to be in the perfect will of God for your life, you're going to have to die to criticism of other people, and you're going to have to lend your ear to the voice of God. Now, I, I will say this, uh, there are some things that in the Bible you and I do not have to, you and I do not have to question, you and I do not have to, if, if, if the God has revealed it to us in the scripture, there's no need in praying over it. Because if it is clearly revealed in the scripture, that's God's will. But there are some things that you and I in life, we have to make a decision on uh, uh, that is not clearly revealed in Scripture. For instance, every time I went to buy a vehicle, I've never been able to open up the Bible at such and such chapter and verse, and it said, Charlie, buy this vehicle. Um, now, I'm sure somewhere it talks about only buying Fords. I just hadn't found it yet. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure where, where that is. But, but what I'm saying is, is there's some things that is in Scripture that we don't have to wonder, we don't have to pray, we don't have to seek God's will because it's clearly spelled out in the scripture, this is what he wants. However, there are some decisions in life that are not clearly spelled out. And so we have to be very careful in seeking God's will in those decisions so that we don't miss being there. So I want you to notice some benefits of being there, being in the center of God's will. One of the, the greatest places for a Christian to be is just to be in the center of God's will. I want you to notice, I want you to notice this. Notice that, uh, first of all, notice in, when he's at the brook Cherith, uh, we find verse number four, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, uh, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. But also notice verse number nine. 
Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Can I say to you tonight, Elijah's blessings depended upon him just being there. I'm convinced that a lot of times we miss out on what God has for us because we're not there. Well, there's so much, I think probably when we get to heaven, now this is another thing that's not in the Bible, this is Charlie theology. Probably when we get to heaven, there's going to be a huge warehouse somewhere in heaven and it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be the blessing warehouse and those are all the blessings that God wanted to give us but could not give us because we spent so much time not being in the will of God. And so we find that for, for Elijah's blessings depended upon him being in the will of God. We find that God will take care of those that are in his will. I, I want you to notice Matthew chapter, uh, turn very quickly to Matthew chapter number 6. There again, we, we all know these verses, but just a refresher course, if you will. Matthew chapter number 6, notice verse number 25, and verse number down through verse number 33. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor for, yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is it not a life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he, uh, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we find that God is gonna, will take care of those that are just simply there. Now, I, I pick on my wife a lot when I'm preaching. Um, but, and the reason I do it when I'm preaching is because I know she's not going to get up and come, come up here and slap me when I say it. Um, but one, one of the things that I, I love about my wife, and I believe the reason God placed her in my life is for the fact of, if, of I told you this morning, I worry. I worry about everything. Um, I worry at the drop of the hat, and I'll be the one to take the hat off and drop it. That's just, that's just my nature. But she's not that way. And every time we begin to have a discussion and I begin to begin to say, well, I don't know about this and I don't know about this and, and I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that, she always, she always reins me in. Now, y'all should have known me about 14 years ago before she come into my life. Uh, you think I'm wild now. You don't know nothing. She leveled me out a lot, but don't let her lie to you. I leveled her out a lot too. Uh, I... Outside of her salvation, I'm the best thing that ever happened to her. If you don't believe me, don't ask her, just ask me. But she always just levels me out in that area, and she always says something like this. Well, don't you think God's going to take care of us? Yeah. But 
And she'll usually usually look at me when I say but, and I know what that means. That means there is no but. Just leave it there. And I I found out that if if, as long as I'm in God's will, he's going to take care of me. And as long as you and I are in the will of God, that's where the blessings of God is bestowed upon us is we're we're in the center of his will. Now there again, the will of God for your life may be much different than the will of God for my life. God may not have called you to preach and God may not have called you to pastor, but that's what God's called me to do. And whether God has called you to do that or whether God has called you to do, to do something else, whatever God has called you to do, and that is what God's will is for you to do, as long as you're doing that and you're keeping him front and center, you know what's going to happen? He's going to take care of you. Now, you may not be eating steaks every night, you may not, you know, may not have the finest of, of the world has to offer. But look around, none of us have missed very many meals. I can, I can stand to miss some, but I tell you, I ain't. As long as I've got a gun, I promise you, I ain't going to miss many meals. So if it gets too bad, times get too tough, y'all start missing cows, don't come looking at me. I, I, I've been around chicken houses long enough. They some rats in there big enough as possums. It'll make a meal. People talk about they don't ever want they don't ever want to eat rat. What do you think a squirrel is? Just a rat with a fuzzy tail that lives in a tree. That has nothing to do with being there. But the idea of just being that—that's where the blessings of God is given to His children—is being there. Notice this, not only does the blessings of God depend upon us being there, but notice this, notice verse number 10. We are introduced to this little widow woman. Uh, We find that he goes, it's amazing to me. Um, This widow woman reminds me a lot of probably the way I am. Uh, Verse number 9, God tells Elijah, he says, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And when Elijah talks to the woman about it, she don't have a clue. She's like, what are you talking about? So it's probably that this widow woman is, is like a lot of us, she's fighting the will of God. Because she, what, what she sees and what God is saying does not make sense. Can I tell you, sometimes the will of God does not make sense in our eyes. There's, there's going to be times in your life when you're following the will of God and God's going to say, do this. You're going to look at it and you're going to say that makes absolutely no sense. And this is where this widow woman is. God has been talking to her on one end and as she is listening to the voice of God to sustain uh, this prophet, Elijah, she's in her mind saying, I know what God is saying, but I know what I have to offer and it does not make sense. But notice, not only does the will, it does being there depend upon blessings from God, but others benefit from us being there. This widow woman benefited from Elijah just simply being there. As she, we find there again in, the, in verse number 14, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And what happened? Verse number 16, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So we find that others benefited 
from Elijah being there. But then also, also notice this. Elijah being, being there, being where he's supposed to be in the center of God's will. He saw extraordinary things while, there, while he's there. I mean, think about it. At the brook chair, if he's got, he's got ravens bringing him meat. It's not in the nature of a crow to get meat and then drop it. But it is the hand of God that made them do it. It is not in the nature of, of, uh, of a, lady, a person rather that does not have hardly anything at all that they, in their mind, the nature is, I have just enough for me and mine and we're going to die. It's not in their nature to give to someone else when they don't have enough for them. But it's the hand of God. And then not only that, but then you see, you see that of the, uh, the, the barrel of meal not wasting and the cruise of oil not failing. And there again, I'm sure they didn't, they didn't have an all-you-could-eat buffet of cornbread every night, but they had enough to suffice. And, and, and as you get into the will of God, as you get into just the place where God wants you to be and, and the place of service that God wants you to be, you know what you can do? You can stand back and you can see God do extraordinary things. You can, you can stand back. If you're just in the, in the will of God, you can watch God do things that only he can do. I, I, I don't say this to pin a rose on me, but, but I, I can look back at times in the ministry that I've seen God do things and I've just had to stand back and say, that's just God. I, I couldn't put my hands on it. I couldn't, say, I couldn't take credit for it because I knew it was way too big for me. And so the will of God, a lot of times we equivalent the will of God to suffering. I'm not saying you won't suffer in the will of God sometime. But yet, when you're there, and you, you're in the will of God, God's going to make sure you get what you need. Not only are you going to benefit from being there, other people are going to benefit from being there. You know what scares me scares me the most is that I am one decision away from wrecking and ruining my family. I mean, us that are, that are fathers, don't you honestly think about that? We're one decision away from totally wrecking our family. You think about people you know, their family was not wrecked by many decisions, but oftentimes it was wrecked by one. I can't tell you the people that I have, that I have known down through the years of, of preaching, not, not just not pastoring them, but just preaching at different places and, and seeing their faces and getting to know them by going back to the same places time and time again. Then, and then all of a sudden known them for years and all of a sudden go back one day and ask, well, where's so-and-so? And the pastor just hang his head and say, they're out. 
their families broken up. Mom's over here, dad's over there, the kids are over there. Now I tell you, I'm not nosy, but I just like to know what's going on. And I'll ask, well, what happened? Sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I can't tell you. Or sometimes they'll say, it was just, it was one thing. They done one thing. And it completely wrecked them. That scares me. That one decision can ruin everything. But do you know as long as I strive and as long as I keep myself in the will of God, and as long as I'm following God, I don't have to worry about that. It's when I begin to make decisions. Not consulting God is when I begin to have to worry about that one decision. And you realize tonight that all of us are not only looking at it family speaking, but looking at it spiritually speaking, that all of us are one decision away from ruining and wrecking our spiritual testimony. That ought to scare us. That something that you could have worked for for 15, 20, 30, maybe 40 years can be ruined in a minute's time by one wrong decision. I got a good friend. Me and him still good friends. We've been friends for many years. I preached for him uh, when he's pastored very uh, very often. Um, we used to talk on a regular regular basis pretty much, if not every day, every other day. Couple about a year and a half ago, I guess it was, I got a phone call. It was from him, and and you know what he had done? He had he had been in the ministry longer than me, uh, preached circles around me. I just just uh, just what I would consider a man of God. But in one night, everything he had built up all those years, he ruined it. With not just many wrong decisions, just one. And now, now in the circles, the, the circles of the preachers that had, that knew me, if his name comes up, they hang their head and blush because of the wrong decision that he made. You know what? It affected a lot of people. Even though it's been a year and a half ago, it still it still affects people. But you know, you know what happened was, and, and I, I've talked to him extensively, and if he was here, he had testified to, to it tonight. It happened when he got outside of the will of God. When the will of God was no longer the driving force of his life, that's when it happened. Can I say unto you tonight, the devil wants to get you out of the will of God to make you make that one choice. It don't take many. It just takes one. That ought to shake us to our core. I want to ask, you, ask us all tonight about this particular, particular text. We see God's blessings depended upon Elijah being there. I want you to think about this. Does, has God blessing you 
now like he used to? Would you have to admit that maybe God's blessings isn't as rich as they once was? I promise you if they're not as rich as they once was, he's not affected by the economy. It's probably because we're not there. It may be that somewhere down the line we have, we have moved from being in the perfect will of God and the blessings aren't as rich as they used to be because we've moved. Not that God's moved, but we've moved. And also tonight as, as fathers and as mothers and as grandparents and, and as aunts and uncles and, and, and the list goes on, other people depends upon us being in the will of God. Other people's blessings, they, they benefit from us being in the will of God. You know, the Christian life is not a life that is to be lived selfishly, but it is a life that is to be lived selflessly. Our life is not about us. Our life, number one, should be about the Lord. Number two, it should be about others. Others benefit on us just being in the perfect will of God. But then I, I love knowing that being in the will of God, being in the center of the will of God, I can see extraordinary things. We look at this individually. I say this as also not only individually but corporately. A lot you think of it as church-wise. We're, we're living in a day where, let's just be real honest, not many churches have many big things going on anymore. Very rarely do you hear of, of true revival happening. Sad reality of it is you hear about more church splits than you do hear about people being born again. Why is that? Why aren't we seeing the extraordinary things the church used to see? Could it be because... Maybe as a whole, the church isn't there. So not only is it important for an individual to be there, it's important for a church to be there, for them to see extraordinary things. Song leader, musician, come. I want you to just consider this tonight through the rest of the week. Ask yourself, are you there? Am I where God wants me to be? Am I, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I fulfilling the purpose that God has given me? There again, you're, the will of God for you is probably going to be a lot different than me. The will of God what it, for my life was obviously for me to be a preacher, to be a pastor. Little did I know when me and my wife got married, the will of God was going to be for us to adopt children. I told somebody a while ago, I, you couldn't give me a million dollars for them, but you couldn't give me a million dollars to do it over again neither. That's not the will of God for everybody, but that was the will of God for me and her. And you know what, that, that, that being a pastor and being a preacher, I've seen blessings come from it. Not to pin a rose on me, but I've seen other people benefit from me surrendering my life to the gospel. And I've seen God do extraordinary things. I've, 
obviously, we've benefited from adopting the will of God. We've benefited from that. Our children benefited. Their life could look a whole lot different if they, are, they were not in our home. You, if, I, if you ever hear the stories of where they come from, you would have to admit their life's a whole, they have benefited from uh, me and my wife being in the will of God. We've seen extraordinary things since we were in the will of God. There again, I'm not, talk, I'm not trying to lift myself up. I'm just trying to testify to the fact I'm not preaching something I have not lived. So are you there? What's the will of God for you? And I tell you this, the will of God for a believer is not just to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. There's way more to the will of God than that. Are you there? If you're not there, why don't you ask the Lord to help you get there? Maybe you don't know exactly what the will of God is for your life. Why don't you ask, spend some time asking the Lord, show me what your perfect will is. What is God's perfect will You know what the book of James says? He says, you have not, you ask not. So if you don't know tonight, the reason you don't know is because you're not asking. So tonight, if you wonder what the perfect will of God is for your life, why don't you just find you a place to pray and say, God, show me. Don't, don't, don't just ask one time, but ask repeatedly. If you'll ask, he'll be faithful to answer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I pray you'd help us in this time of invitation. God, help us to always be mindful of just being there, being where we're supposed to be, in the center of God's will. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. Amen.